society what it do baby um okay first of all i'm so sorry like i apologize that i did not bring you an episode last week my bad i should have communicated it but i didn't because i feel like i'm always communicated bad news hey guess what there's no episode this week hey guess what there's no episode this week so i just decided to leave it but um last week i was in my cousin's wedding it was at a, a beautiful and amazing wedding and I don't regret not having an episode. So yes, I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. And and yeah, my cousin's married. Ah, it's so it's such a happy moment. Um, but I I guess I really apologize for not bringing you an episode and not communicating that I didn't bring you an episode. But right now, where I'm at in life right now is like I'm I'm in a place where I'm trying to live in the moment. Um, I just find like for myself that I um. I have this habit, this bad habit of, of, it's not a bad habit, it's a bad, okay, it is a bad habit. Okay, let me give you background. Basically, I have the privilege, as you know, of being young, I'm 25, and walking in my purpose. Yay! Which is a great thing. I, I, I discovered my purpose at the age of 20, and I've been walking in it ever since. But, um... Yeah, being young and discovering your purpose is a good thing. A lot of people are always like, oh my God, you're so lucky. You're so young and you already know what you're called to do, who you're supposed to be, who you're called to and all those things. And yes, like it's a good thing. I'm really happy um, that God chose me and he revealed to me at a at a certain age. So I'm able to, to start doing things now. But um, for me, I guess my biggest shortcoming with that is the fact that because I'm enlightened and because I know what is at stake and who I'm called to and what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I I have tunnel vision to the point where I'm always focused on that, which is not a bad thing. That's what it should be. You're supposed to be doing that. But so much so that I, I often forget to just enjoy life. I forget to just live in the moment. I forget to just enjoy my youth. Like I'm 25. These are my prime years. I know y'all be seeing my pictures. I'll be dropping on Instagram. Come on, somebody. I was like, I need to start showing people that I am cute. Like, not every day in the house no pictures praying i'm still gonna do it but i'm still 25 i'm still fine yes you can be sassy saved and sexy yet modest for the lord so let me post on instagram and let people know that yes your skin glows different when you praying every day that yes you look good your hair be slayed you're beautiful when you have the beauty of christ like i'm just on a new wave i'm 25 this is my prime these are my best years let me live it that's where i'm at right so I forget to live in the moment. Like, I forget to just just have fun, just do things. I'm always in my room, like, studying the scriptures and, and praying and focused on the future. And those are good things. Trust me, that's how you get a distinct anointing and that's how you go far. Those are good things. Now, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying there needs to be balance or else that's how burnout occurs. That's how all this becomes doing a chore. It becomes a chore. It's not fun anymore. It's not... It's not enjoyable. You just feel like you're robbing yourself of your youth. 
And so what I'm trying to do is learn balance and understand that, yes, like I can do all those things, but I can still also just go hang out with friends and I can still also just, you know, go to concerts, Christian concerts. I'm going to the Walls Group concert this weekend with um, some of my friends that don't go to my church, actually. Um, which is fun. I'm really into that right now. Like, cause I know that a lot of people, they do like, Oh my, I go to this church. All my friends are from this church. All the people I know are from this church. No, we are all one body. We can all sharpen each other with different experiences, with different, um, knowledge, with, with different things. Basically we are all one body. We all love the Lord, but everybody has a different grace and you can be so familiar and so used to the grace in just your house that you're missing out on a different level or a different relationship or a different revelation of God through somebody else, but based on the grace that they have. So I personally, I don't see anything wrong with visiting churches. I believe in visiting churches. I know some people don't, but I believe in visiting churches. You can visit, know where you belong, know where you're anchored, know where you're sent, know where you're called, know who God has called you to submit under, but you can still visit. You're not, it's not a cult, it's not prison. You're you're not just shackled to one person forever. You can freely roam or one body, okay? One body. Yay! Anyways, I digress. I'm going to a concert with some friends in the city that are not from my church, which is always exciting because at my cousin's wedding, um, I was talking to people from different churches, various different churches. And it's so interesting how even though because we're all in different churches, a lot of our issues are the same. A lot of our, 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 our problems are the same. So we were sharing ideas and bouncing off of each other. And we were also just just talking about the body of Christ and our role as millennials and our role as revivalists and everything we're called to do. It was very refreshing and very fun. I was going to record some of it for the podcast, but I was like, no, this is me living in the moment. I want to just enjoy it myself. And so that's where I'm at. That's where I've been at. But I know that's not what you came here to hear. I just wanted to explain to you why I was not here last week. You know, I'm trying to do better. So moving forward, um, we got to keep our communication going. Communication is an important part of any relationship. So I, I wanted to explain that to you. I apologize. But moving forward, I will be more punctual, more diligent. And if I'm unable to, I will definitely communicate it. Anyways, today, as you know, we are in our I'm a Head Out series where we're talking about church hurt. And I want us to talk about a different level of church hurt. Last week, we talked about church hurt in a loveless church where you may find yourself hurt by leaders in the church or by members in the church who don't show love. Simply because... They are so focused on their relationship with Christ that they fail and neglect to develop their relationship with the people. It is a way that people have been hurt by the church. But another way that people have been hurt by the church is being hurt by God. Not everybody is necessarily hurt by people in the church. Sometimes people are hurt by God himself. And you may be asking, how can someone be hurt by God? Well, let's talk about it. I refuse to believe that this is my fate as a woman. This cannot be it. I was not born to be a trophy wife. I'm talking about growth. It's a measure of me versus me yesterday versus me two days ago. Not a measure of me versus you.
We're trying to raise women that understand that they can be classy, they can be beautiful, they can be petty, they can be smart, they can be knowledgeable, they can be independent. We are a new generation of women. We are not conformed or confined by everything that society has placed out for us. We're breaking out of the mold and creating something new for ourselves. We are Sassy and Safe Baby. Alrighty, so the suffering church. Okay, so the passage is um, the scripture. So the scripture can be found in Revelation 2, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8 to 11. And the Bible reads, I'm re- and I'm reading from the NLT version. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last who was dead but is now alive. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days, but you will remain faithful even when facing death. I will give you the crown of life. Anyone, but if you remain faithful even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Amen. That was the NLT. I just want to quickly read from the um, NSAB Bible, the NS, the NASB version. Um, that is the New American Standard Bible. Um, let me just pull it up. It's on my phone. I've been reading that version lately and I I really like it. I really like it. My phone is just wilding right now. Um, All right. Um, So Revelation 2 verses 8 to 11, NSAB version. The Bible reads, And to the angel of the church of Smyrna, write the first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the, and, and the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have a tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Okay, quick dissection. So um, when I'm reading the first thing, the things that stick out to me, um, obviously would be verse nine. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. So that tells me that the church that he's talking about is a smaller church. It's not a mega church. It's not one of the churches that you hear about all the time. It's not those pastors that you see everywhere on social media. They have a, they're a small little community church in their own hometown with their little pastor that nobody knows doing their thing. They're a small church and they appear to be a poor church because they're not a mega church. Not, not even they appear to be. They are a poor church because he says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. So they have a lot of trouble doing the things that a mega church may be able to do. The big churches that have a lot of money, have a lot of fame, have a lot of clout, are able to 
are much able to access things better than the smaller churches that don't have those things. And the angel, and, and John is saying through the angel that to the church that, that God knows the tribulation and the poverty they face in running church and doing things for the kingdom because they don't have the resources. And then he says, but you are rich. That's another type of richness. Though they lack material richness, though they lack material blessings, they don't physically have material things to show, to display the riches, they are rich in spirit. Take us back to the gospel. One of the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall Blah, blah, blah. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit. I'm not even sure what it is right now. But we know through the Beatitudes that those that are poor in spirit are actually rich. And that is what's being referenced here. Next thing that stands out to me is the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews or not. So they're being persecuted. Hence, they're called the persecuting or the persecuted or the suffering church. They're being talked down on. They're being blasphemed. They're being insulted however how you be it because because of their we could say economic status or because of their failure to to match up with the larger churches next part and the most important to me where i want us to rest for today's episode do not fear what you are about to suffer (sighs) difficult The Lord is saying, even though you're already suffering, you're already persecuted, you already don't have money, do not fear what you are about to suffer. That means more suffering is indeed coming. Behold, the devil, as in Satan himself, is about to take some of you and put you into prison so that you will be tested. And you will have tribulation for 10 days. The 10 days for me signifies that it's a short period of suffering time. 10 days. We're not, I'm not going to say it's literally just 10 days. I don't believe what he's saying is literally 10 days. It just signifies it's a short period. So things are about to go from bad to worse for a short period of time so that you will be tested. But if you remain faithful in the midst of all these things, I will give you the crown of life. And that is what I get from the passage. So for me, the letter to the church of Smyrna is, it pictures, if you've listened to the last two episodes, you know that we're taking these letters and and bringing it down and, and breaking it down to the everyday Christian, the everyday Christian life. And for me, the letter to the church of Smyrna symbolizes and pictures the suffering that the everyday Christian, that Christians face under intense pressures at any given time in their lives. This message, this letter is a message of assurance that even though things are looking really, really bad, things are gonna be okay if you remain faithful. Smyrna symbolizes a small church that is faithful despite, despite difficult circumstances as we as Christians ought to be. I love how the Bible says that the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you may be tested. I mean, God, honestly, truly, really, things are already super bad. They don't have money. They're suffering. They're being persecuted, which you know, because you said, you know, and you're allowing the devil to go 
Then you're allowing the devil to go even further and throw them into prison just so that they can be tested. (laughs) Is there no other way to test them? But it's reassuring to me the fact that God is saying to them, the devil is about to. That tells me that God knows the devil's plans before the devil can do them. Do you like, do you understand? The devil hasn't done it yet. The devil is about to throw some of you into prison, but God is already aware. That is just reassurance to all of us in our everyday lives that even though adversity and even though difficult pressures, adversity and circumstances come, anything that the devil does, God already has previous knowledge. And if God has previous knowledge, he knows the outcome. He knows the reason for our trial, which means that we can endure because we know who's on our side. That for me is like a promise. I could I could body anything now because God already knows. It's not like I'm fighting this battle alone. I know who's behind me. You know when you were like in young, in middle school or elementary school and you guys were on teams? We did dodgeball. I don't know if you guys did dodgeball, but if we did dodgeball at my school, when it was time to pick teams, especially if you're team captain, you always pick the best people on your team. You always pick the best people on the team. But even if I'm not team captain, if I know that the good players are on my team, I'm set. Like, I'm not even shook. I go into the game already expecting to win. Even though I may be hit by the dodgeball, even though people on the team may fall, even though I may... Even though I may get hurt or I may get hit, eliminated, whatever, I know that I'm gonna bounce back because I'm on the winning team. You understand? Even though, if even if I get knocked down because I'm on the winning side, I still emerge a winner. That's what it's kind of like. Because we're on the winning side and God is already aware of what the devil is gonna do, it means that this is not a game of checkers. It's actually chess. As the devil is 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 sifting you and throwing you in prison, God is sitting there at the back waiting to checkmate. So let that be a promise to each and every one of you. Just from this scripture, the fact that he would say the devil is about to means that he knows the plans of the enemy already, which means that he's already got a solution. Ain't he good? God is good. Anyways, the reason why I really wanted to talk about this is because I know that one of the, the the facets or one of the levels of church hurt that people suffer sometimes has nothing to do with the people in the church. In the last episode, we talked about the loveless church and we talked about individuals in the church that fail to show love. So focused on their relationship with Christ alone that they forget to love their neighbor. And it causes church hurt for many people. But a lot of people suffer church hurt in a different way. A lot of people suffer church hurt from God himself. A lot of people come into the church expecting to reap all the benefits that come with Christianity. And it could be even more challenging when you see your neighbor, when you see your brother or sister in Christ, when you see other people in church doing the same thing or maybe even less than what you're doing, but it seems like everything is working out for them and nothing is working out for you. In any given church, I believe we have each of the seven churches. Within a church, you may feel like you're the Smyrna, the one that is suffering, the one that is persecuted, the one that is failing school, the one that is 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 struggling, living paycheck to paycheck, the one that is being evicted, the one that has no money, the one that is suffering and going through all these tribulations, and you expect things to get better, but in fact, they're getting worse. And still, God expects you to come to church and serve in your ministry and be faithful. How? But this letter is for you. Like he said, he knows your tribulation, he knows your poverty, but you are rich. 
the riches that the persecuting the the persecuted and the suffering church or individual has is not necessarily material they are riches that exceed materialistic materialistic things they are riches in anointing there are riches in fresh oil there are riches in development a variety of riches that may not be valued because they can't be seen but they they but, but they far surpass the material blessings and the bible says do not fear what you are about to suffer so indeed more suffering will come even though right now seems like the worst season of your life, more suffering will come. Ain't he good? <laughs> because the devil or your enemy or your opponent or whatever it is that you have been facing is about to cast you into prison so that you will be tested. I think that says something. The fact that in the midst of adversity, you're still being tested says something. God needs to test people before he can use them. So for me, in the midst of tests and trials, there are no longer moments of sorrow, pain, and sadness for me. When I'm being tested or when the Lord allows the enemy to afflict my family or myself with a situation beyond our control, I know that we are being tested. And when we're being tested, that means that elevation is around the corner. And it's like when you're in school, you can't go to the next grade without passing an exam. You can't pass the class without passing an exam. You can't graduate without writing a thesis. You cannot do, you can never move to the next level of your life without being tested. And that is in every area, be it in the career, be it in school, be it in swimming lessons. Until you pass the level, until you pass a test to prove that indeed everything you learned at the previous level, you've retained and can use for the next level, you cannot move forward. And so I look at trials and testing as indication that I'm going in the right direction because that means that elevation is on its way. Be faithful until death, the Bible says, to the point of death, to the last point where you cannot even see yourself passing this test. Be faithful. And if you are, you will receive a crown of life. Many people have church hurt with God because they believe they've been faithful. They believe they've done everything that they need to do. And still, things are going from bad to worse. And still, this is how you know we don't read our word, y'all. Because if, you, if we did, we would know that when things go from bad to worse, that don't mean that you know, you in, 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 in the bad graces of God. It means you in the good graces of God. Faithfulness to the point of death is what would give the church of Smyrna the crown of life. Listen to me. I understand completely. There have been times where I have been through things that I've... One day, man. One day, I'm going to actually have to sit down and let y'all know what goes on in my life. Because people really... People really actually message me and, 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 and think that I'm living the dream. And... Well, I kind of am living the dream, low-key, but y'all, I battle. I battle. I wish you knew. It's only those that are super close to me that know what I go through in my life. 
And I wish you all knew, but one day, don't worry, one day when the time is right, all will re- all will be revealed. And on that day, I, I think a lot of people will have a switch in perspective because they'll see that even though you're working for God, you're doing everything right, you're being faithful, you're serving, you're living a life consecrated and acceptable unto him, still things will come that don't need to come. Like God will throw things at you, at your family, at 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 just situations that need not be coming to a Christian, someone doing the work of God, but to our naked eye, to our understanding, you would be like, God, why would you let unbelievers or people that are out here on the streets living, living it up, doing nonsense, be free, but me who is faithful and who is doing everything for you and to you, living a life surrendered onto you, I'm the one that has to deal with it. To the naked eye and to our mind, we don't understand. But that's why God says that his ways are not our ways. Because he sees things and he interprets things in a different way. He tests us so that we will, he trials us so that we will be tested so that we can progress to the next level. And even more so, so that we can have unshakable faith. It is the testing and the trials, the suffering and the persecution that really gives us faith in God. You know, you can go to church and you can read the scriptures and you can hear about, you can hear testimonies and all those things boost your faith. But I believe personally that the testimonies and all those things of others boost your faith for a limited amount of time. I can go and hear what God did in the life of my brother and sister and be so enamored and so so and so happy for that person and i will believe and believe that yes god indeed has done it again once again but it will never hit the same way until as it will never hit the same way as if he's done it for me like seriously my phone it will never ever hit the same way as when he's done it for me I can read the scriptures and read about everything God did all those years ago. And we know that he is the ancient of days. And of course he can do it again. But in the midst of my trial and my tribulation, I can't reference as much as I can reference what he did for Daniel and what he did for Abraham, what he did for Joseph and what he did for Jacob. It will never, ever hit as much as me knowing what he did for Teresa last year or what he did for Teresa two years ago. And so I believe that a lot of the times these trials and these tests that we that the trials and the testing that we face is for God to renew our revelation of him if God was always just one thing if he was always perfect and always omnipotent and always did everything if he was all if God was always just one thing you would only know him in one way it's not until how could he be how could he be Jehovah Rapha if you never got sick It's not until you are actually sick, until a member of your family is sick. That is when you need to seek him as Jehovah Rapha. You need to seek him as one of his other facets. You can't just seek him in the same way you were seeking him. You need to hold on to the scriptures and the testimonies of others, of course, for your faith. But you need to seek him as Jehovah Rapha. And when he does bring healing to you or to that person, that is when you know and that is when you can add that to his name based on pure revelation not based on what you've heard or what you've read but what you've encountered encounters are what keep you grounded the encounters with god and of god are what keep you grounded and unshaken in the midst of adversity when you've experienced him heal yourself 
you know him as Jehovah Rapha. When you have experienced him provide yourself, you know him as a provider. When you have experienced him cover you, you know him as Nisi, your banner. When you have experienced him for yourself, the revelation becomes real. It's no longer just a logos, it's a rhema. This is real life. I've experienced. Nobody can tell you anything. The devil cannot come and say, did God really say he's going to heal you? He cannot come like he was talking up in Eden to all those, to, to Adam and Eve. He can't say that. He can't tell you that you will have this sickness forever. That is a lie because I've seen him do it before and I know he will do it again. And this is why we endure suffering. This is why we endure trials. This is why we endure testing. Because once we have that genuine divine encounter with that facet of God, he becomes more than just God. He becomes he becomes more than just God. The relationship becomes more personal. That is when you know him as one of his other facets. And so being trialed, being tested and persecuted is not a bad thing, ladies and gentlemen. Church of God, hear me today. Persecution for the Christian is necessary. It's not going to stop. I know that it's not the fun the best part is not a great part of, of living for Christ, but I want you to know today, take it anywhere, write it, mark it on the wall, put it in your brain agenda on your phone background. I don't know. It will never stop. You will be persecuted. As long as you've chosen to live for Christ, you will be persecuted. But like I said, know that you're on the winning side. And just as it's said in the word, Jesus, Christ is aware, God is aware of everything that the enemy will do to you. And as he's sitting back, the enemy thinks he's playing checkers, but in reality, it's a game of check. It's a game of chess. He's just waiting to swoop in and checkmate. So be encouraged. Take solace, take pride, take joy. And encouragement in the fact that God is aware of everything that you will endure for his sake. His word even says, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Where is, I don't remember the, where the scripture is, but he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for his name's sake. The suffering that you endure as a faithful member, as a faithful Christian, as a faithful individual, does not go unnoticed. You are being persecuted for his name's sake. You are being tested and trialed. And if you remain faithful, you will receive the crown of life. Know that God has not left you. He has not forgotten about you. He has not forsaken you. Be healed of your church hurt with God. Understand that he loves us and everything that he does is out of love. And though we don't necessarily always understand his ways, there's a way and a reason for why we are enduring what you are doing. There is no way that you will stand for God, that people will know that you work for God, that people will know that you have surrendered to God, that your whole life is devoted to him and he will put you to shame. It's not going to happen. He can't play you. That will make him look bad. The whole point of our walk is for God to get his glory. He doesn't like to look bad, okay? God is big on his image, okay? God is big on how he looks. He likes his glory. He wants his glory. How embarrassing and detrimental will it be 
For example, someone like me, I come on here and I do a podcast. Everybody knows you don't need a prophet to tell you that she is a Christian. You don't need a prophet to tell you that she works for God. You don't need a prophet. It's on my Instagram, my Twitter, Facebook, everywhere you are. You see, meet me in person. Everything about me screams church girl. So how bad would it be for me to be on here sharing the word, sharing the gospel, repping Christ as I do, unashamed, loud and boldly, and my life to be in shambles and ruins. Why should the heathen say, where is her God? Why? Why would would God literally sit there and allow somebody like me who is repping him and allow unbelievers to mock him, to mock me and say, since she's following God and doing all these things, how is it that she's the one doing with this? How is it that this is this and this is happening? Where is the God that she so boldly reps? It's like, you literally gotta break it down like that sometimes and really talk to yourself like, let's be logical. Like, honestly, I understand spiritual things are spiritual, but like, let's just use our brains for a second. Why would he do that? Why would he let you fail repping God? Everybody knows you go to church every week. Everybody knows you serve faithfully in ministry. Everybody knows you've lived a life surrendered to Christ. Everybody knows you've repented from your old life. Everybody knows you're devoted to him. It's not a secret. The whole world, everybody knows you knows that this is who you have decided to be. You've decided to follow Jesus and then he's gonna play you and let you look bad in front of all of them. So that they could be like see just leave that and come back to us no way he's not gonna do it it don't make sense so trust and believe that indeed though you are suffering for 10 days that short period of time whatever it is that you're dealing with whatever prison you find yourself in right now there is no way that he will play you you will be victorious everything will come back around if you remain faithful this is your command and your this is your command and your encouragement to remain faithful to the point of death despite the circumstances. I'll tell you and I'll give you one better. Right now I'm dealing with something family wise very very difficult. I'm not ready to share it, but one day I will as a testimony when it's over. Very very difficult. And in to the naked eye and to the eyes of everyone else, they would say what are you doing? Forget this ministry thing and focus on just that. You don't leave right now. As you know, I live in Ottawa. I'm here in Ottawa at my church, serving in my church, doing whatever. The naked eye, the eyes of humanity, the eyes of people would say, there's no point for you to be there right now. Right now, your family needs you. Move back to Toronto. Stop this sassy and save thing move to Toronto and focus on the people that need you most. Even in my own understanding, that makes the most sense because family is important to me and it, make, and it makes sense for us all to be together and battle this together. But being a woman of the spirit, understanding spiritual things and knowing times and seasons and assignments, I know that right now I have to sacrifice being physically there to remain under recovering so that I can spiritually cover. I may not be able to physically cover the situation with my physical presence by being there, but I will be spiritually covering the situation because I am submitted to a spiritual covering. And that spiritual covering will 
grow me and groom me and pour into me and give me the capacity to be able to be a spiritual covering over my family in this time. And I've seen it happen in the last three years of me living in Ottawa. Problem would arise, situation would arise, and I would not be able to physically leave because I don't have the release to go and physically be there, to have to be a physical covering as the oldest one in my family. But being here under the set man and woman of God that the Lord has called me to submit to and increasing in capacity has made me a spiritual covering for the family. And I've seen time and time again, as a family, we have broken through every trial and every test that was thrown at us. And I know that this one is no different. And that's me being as transparent as I can be because I believe in transparency. And one day when I'm able to share the testimony, when the time is right, you will see and you will know that even though you you devote your life to God as a Christian influencer or whatever you want to call me, still you are not exempt from the trials. You are not exempt from the suffering. You are not exempt from the persecution. But nonetheless, if you are faithful, if I am faithful to staying where he planted me, if I am faithful to fulfilling the assignment that he called me to do, which is currently the podcast, if I am faithful and all these things, and faithful in my devotion to him, everything back at home will be okay. And I will come right back on this podcast and testify, mark it on the wall. So know that I am not exempt, that nobody is exempt from trials. As a Christian, you will be suffering. We are all the church of Smyrna. But the message for us today is to remain faithful to the point of death, and we will receive a crown of life. Until next time, sassy and save baby.